Welcome aboard the ship that can't get its mind out of the gutter. It's the Redenbacher Podcast, here for another edition of the Redenbacher Book Club. I'm your captain, Matt Murphy, and today's in-flight meal is insight with a side of contemplation. Today I'm joined by, as always, Commander Ben Bullerwell. How's it going, Ben? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing good. You know, a casual Saturday morning. I've slept in, I'm well-rested, and I'm ready to discuss the Orville, baby. Yeah, How are it's... You doing? I'm doing great. I mean, uh, it's been six weeks since we've recorded. Uh, we're super late on this one, we'll admit right off the bat, but uh, I went up to Toronto to visit Ben for like two and a half weeks, and he went to Alberta. So, you know, we weren't just doing nothing. So, you know, give us a We, we us definitely a weren't doing nothing, guys. Um, yeah, I would like to take the opportunity to apologize as well for our lack of uh, of content, really. Um, like Matt says, yeah, like we've been quite busy. We've been taking vacations. We've been doing this and that. And, you know, guys, sometimes life just gets really busy. But... We're hoping that you guys don't mind, and we're hoping that you're as ready to dive into this as we are. It's going to be great. Just one other note. I'd like to note that uh, I'm recording during a hurricane, so uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so today we're talking about uh, Issue 2, New Beginnings Part 2 of the Orville Comic from Dark Horse, and it did not disappoint. Last week was more of a setup, and I feel this gave us a a thrilling conclusion to the story that was uh, set up last week. Yeah, it definitely gave us some uh, answers to some things that we were talking about last week. Last issue, rather, sorry. We've gotten some answers, and we've got some more questions. I know I do, anyway. I love the cover for this book, too. It shows uh, Ed and Gordon with the spears pointed at their head and little little chalk shadows in the background. It's cool. There's a nice little contrast between past and future and stuff. It's nice. It's good visual. Yeah, I like it very much. Definitely gets you concerned when when you just bought it and you look at it, you're like, oh, God. And I will say right off the bat, we were wrong about the Chogs, it seems like. They they did not turn evil yet, so you never know, it could happen, but we were wrong last time. But, or I was wrong, mostly, about the Chogs being evil. Yeah, it seems like the Chogs are actually victims to it all, um, and not, you know, like the instigator. Of- yeah, and they're still kind of kind of humans that kind of screwed up their entire planet. And they're like, oh, you know, we'll let you eat with us and stuff like that, just don't go sneaking around on us. And they were pretty nice. Yeah, you know what, they're, they're like generous to almost like a flaw. I guess they don't really realize that the Union had so much to do with, like, the Calamity. But even still, after they, they mention it, we'll talk about this later in more depth, but they're very forgiving. Uh, to right, say the yeah. Least. Well, it shows, like, wars don't happen among animals. You don't see the buffalo going to war with the caribou or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a human That's a human thing. So, even then, I don't think they hold grudges and are going to go on a war of humans. They're just innocent creatures in this conflict that want to just live. Yeah, the, the the Chogs are in like a weird in between. Like they're not, like they're not as advanced to say well anything really. Like the Mocklin, like the obvious, <laughs> obvious yeah, not Isaac's people. Yeah, they're just not like at that like stage in in their evolution, I guess. But they're far enough evolved that they're like intelligent creatures. But they're still like they're kind of like in between animal and like sentient. They're not advanced enough to be, you know. Uh, taken into the planetary union, but you know they're 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 on that point. They're still pretty archaic, but they're pretty much just like sentient animals almost. Yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, kind of place, I guess, in their species evolution. Yeah, exactly. This week we don't really have like an A and a B story. Things all kind of come together. There is kind of like a side bit with Cassius that I think let's just get that out of the way because it's not like we come back to it. True. Yeah, might as well. Eh? It's funny, there's this scene here where Kelly is sitting there on the ship. There's a nice exterior shot of the Orville, and uh, she's having a drink. 
and the little barrier that we see on the show frequently. And Cassius comes up, and then she just gives Cassius like a full wall of text, like, "Look, Cassius, you're a nice guy, but my life is really complicated." In case you didn't know, my commanding officer is also my ex-husband. But of course, you knew that. Everybody knows that. So you can understand I have to tread really carefully, and sometimes I have to put my personal life on hold. That's not to say I'm not interested. I, I am. You're such a nice guy. I know. I know I said that already, but I, I really mean it. And if things were different, I would love to see where this takes us. She keeps going, and then Cassius uh, walks up and says, um, Okay, since our relationship is already a huge disaster, there's no harm in me sitting here and looking at the stars with you, right? And <laughs> he won there. He checkmate at that point, where it's just like, Okay, oh, you know, it, it was a, I really like the way they do it. And I was always wondering, like, Man, what did Cassius say to get Kelly? And that's not a bad line. So that's it wasn't good. too bad. I like the following little panel there, where it's just like Kelly saying "Yeah, sure," and like her facial expression. It reminded me of when she was talking to Alara in the previous issue, and like her realization of like, you know, celibacy. It's just like a pop facial expression. She's like, oh. yeah, she's been flipped now twice now between uh, Alara gave her that good advice, and then Cassius like, well, counterpoint. So it's really like an argument between Cassius and Alara right now. I like that you drew attention to that drawing there of Kelly on page three when she goes, yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure it's page three. That's my yeah. favorite drawing that uh, David Cabeza has done so far for the comic. I really like it. It's really expressive. It really pops. It is kind of in the foreground of, of the image, which I just noticed kind of now. And I like Kelly's expression. I think it's really well well rendered. Yeah, I just think it's funny because she just pretty much like shut down cautious like as hard as she could. And he's just like, well, since everything's like garbage anyway, like wouldn't do any harm if I just sat here with you, would it? And she's like, She's like, yeah, she feels something there. There's some excitement or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. last week we got when Cassius met Kelly. This is the beginning of their relationship, which is interesting. And following Cassius in the school, we also learned that uh, Tope is still doing well in school, according to Bordis. Clyden, unfortunately, is dissatisfied because they don't teach combat training on the curriculum. And then uh, <laughs> Kelly's saying, well, I guess we'll have to get him a, a tutor. He's like, that is our intention. <laughs> <laughs> that is our intention, yeah. <laughs> like. You should get Gordon or something to teach him combat. That'd be great. I would watch that Gordon teaching. That'd be awesome. Yeah, get them into like the uh, like the holodeck or whatever. That's basically all the side material of like the minor stuff that doesn't really have to do directly with this uh, storyline. Yeah, that's pretty much Cautious and Kelly in a nutshell, right there, guys. We're following up now with uh, Ed and Gordon. We see them there. They're on the Chog planet, and it's meal time. They're going in, and like Ben predicted, they are using the synthesizer for food check but unfortunately point. they're not making big macs and diet cokes and fries and stuff to gordon's dismay they get uh, this like sludge which you know Ed's <laughs> saying maybe the systems the systems don't need to be programmed to uh then maybe it's set up automatically and this is just maybe the you know for the save resources yeah it's like if everything's on a like a preset it doesn't need to use computer power to like adjust i guess the product that it's making i just love the little panel there and it's like you can choose to eat anything in the world and you chose mud <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and they keep looking around they try to go outside the meal hall and thaw is kind of stops them and says that it's forbidden so they have to sneak around and go in there later if they're gonna get in there and get any answers they want yeah, it's pretty funny, because, like, you know, Thaws is, he's a nice little bird man. <laughs> and he's just like, my friends, you can't go in there, it's forbidden. Come, join us and sing in praise. It's like, and that actually pretty, that stuck with Gordon, as we know, because he says, man, I can't get those, what does he say? He goes, those dinner songs weren't bad, I can't get them out of my head. <laughs> like, Yeah, that was great, I love that. Uh, I, need a, I need a Gordon cover of a Chog ballad uh, ASAP. Oh, yeah, like, let's get Scott Grimes to do, like, you know, the Chog um, mealtime <laughs> LP or whatever. Like, Yeah, 
And by the way, yeah, we are going into full spoilers with this. So guys, definitely pick up your copy. I mean, this is really enjoyable. If you're missing the Orville, be sure to grab a copy. People worked hard on it, and I would love nothing more than to see this comic series continue. So definitely pick up a copy or maybe wait for a trade paperback. You guys know, like, I'm not super huge into comic books, but um, while Matt was visiting in Toronto, we ended up going around and picked up some comic books. Uh, I bought a physical copy of uh, New Beginnings Part 2 instead mm-hmm. of on my Kindle, so rest assured, I, I have... I have full color this time. <laughs> yeah, we went to the Beguiling. Uh, we actually walked from Ben's place to a nice shop in Toronto called the Beguiling. I highly recommend it to any comic fans that are visiting Toronto or live in Toronto. It's uh, They've got an amazing selection. Upstairs, you're like, oh, this looks kind of sparse. But they've got like a full basement of hard-to-find stuff. Like I managed to find some comics that I've been looking for for myself for about a year and a half. So I think it's a good spot. And there's only two copies left of uh, New Beginnings Part 2 when we went. So it's doing pretty darn well, I have to say. And, like, might I add, like, how amazing is that that they had two copies left? Right. And that was, what, the day of release or the day yeah, following yeah. release? It was no, one I'm of the two. I'm pretty sure we went, like, on a Wednesday. We went on New Copies. Yeah, I think we were as well. Definitely doing well in Toronto, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So hats off to uh, to you guys over there. It was a lot of fun. And like Matt says, the basement is, it's wonderful. There's so much stuff in the basement. Oh I couldn't God. believe it. Yeah, it's like Indiana Jones warehouse levels of stuff. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, the the boys go sneaking out at Ed and Gordon. They go and they notice that there was like a hull breach just starboard of the engine room. So they manage to sneak inside there. And I guess the Chogs do not know about this, which would seem to be the other entrance they should be guarding. But they do right, you'd think. Like... But they're birds. I'm sure the doorways are weird to them. They only know about natural cave openings and stuff like that. I'm sure like uh, this stuff is foreign to them. Yeah, they're, we can't hold it against them, that's for sure. So they do some scanning. They look at the uh, the targeting system of the ship, and they notice that they have the cannon's battery. It's only at 5%, but it's aimed to attack anything that goes within, I think it's 1,000 kilometers. Why would they do that? What situation is it so that the burden has to be left that way? And uh, after some more snooping, they eventually do find the reason for this. Although uh, a quick time out here, when they actually do enter um, the building, uh, the ship rather, the Burton, um, and they're looking in the reactor room, I think it's the first scene that we actually see wildlife. Like, there's a scorpion in the Mm. bottom panel. And that's the first time I've noticed anything alive on that planet, except for the Chogs. That's a good point. Scorpions are known to live in, like, deserts and really harsh environments as is. So I think that only stuff like that could be surviving. I'm sure there's cockroaches as well, if they were (laughs) uh, on this planet in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just thought that was an interesting little thing, because it really stood out to me when I was reading. I I just was like, what the hell is that? And it's like, oh my god. Something's alive on this planet other than the Chugs. No, it's true. It's a good point. Thaws earlier tells them, it's like, hey, guys, uh, you know, stay out of there. It's forbidden. But, you know, that's that's the calmness he's going to be. When Thaws says something, it's forbidden. You kind of believe him. So they keep looking. They're looking in there. And Ed goes up to the uh, captain's chair and manages to share some power with his uh, comm scanner with the, the panel there, the captain's little control panel there. And Ed notices there's a message. And Gordon goes... How do you know this message would be there? And uh, he goes, it's where I would put it. So, you know, shows good leadership throughout the generations and stuff. Like, hey, you know what? Here's a good spot. Captain's chair. It's useful. And that's where we learned of the plight of Ensign Hodges. Yeah, this is actually, like, so phenomenal. This is when the the comic went from, like, really good to, like, fantastic. It became Mm -hmm. kind of like a Star Trek ethical kind of moral issue, right? Like, there was some problem solving to be done. And uh, Hodges did a fantastic job considering that, you know, like, really, he's not qualified to be doing, like, any of this. Like, it was just because of, like, the deaths of his crewmate and his senior staff. 
um, that he got placed in the position that he was in. But I think any captain would be very proud of what he's done. Like it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah, and we see later on he left a huge impact on Ed with the way that he acted, and that kind of influences Ed to maybe change some things about his life. So Anson Hodges really is like, uh, you know, he he's the footnote on what you should do if you're in that kind of situation. And you might not even know if you're going to see, you know, your home again, but how can I use what's left of my life uh, to save or undo what damage I've done? And that's what he does. Yeah, it's so selfless. It's really like the action of like a, a proper Starfleet or in this case, Union officer. It kind of gave me the chills in a, in a weird way, you know? Yeah. One thing uh, we kind of uh, skipped over was uh, when Ed's saying like, oh, well, we, we still have time. Isaac's probably still studying that Magnetar. And then on the next <laughs> page, you see Isaac saying, oh, I finished my study on the Magnetar. It felt so much like the comic. Like they really have managed to capture Isaac. And uh, there's a Bordis part later on that's very, very Bordisy. And uh, no, I know what you mean. It totally did remind me of the show as well. It's just like, well, you know, like Isaac still has a few hours and all done, like, next scene. So. Yeah, and when Isaac's talking, he's like, oh, I, I've improved the scanners myself. So, like, Isaac on the crew really is, like, uh, you know, he's great. He's managed to improve their tech. So the Orville has a leg up on other ships with this, uh, with the Kalon here. It definitely is helpful to have Isaac, because he said something to Kelly, and then Alara kind of piped in and said, or did you just give, like, a bad estimate of time so you know you'd beat it? And he was like, no, like, I've actually upgraded. Like, my estimate was based on Union, I guess, like, technology. And he updated it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got, like, the upper hand for sure. Yeah. So back to Anson Hodges. He basically says that they set up the synthesizer so it would be a life support system, gathered up the chogs, and set up the cannon so that it would uh, protect them for any debris up in space. Because, according to him, the buoy was there, and it was just, like, a kind of like a trick. And the battle was already over, and, and there was so much debris around, so that's what caused him to crash into the Earth. So the war already screwed over a former soldier and realized that, hey, this guy's whole environment is probably not going to be great, but then my ship crashing down has uh, the reactor leak, and then I ruined their entire biosphere. So just went from bad to worse for the Chogs after that. <laughs> it sure did. There's like a great little panel here, um, and it really shows like how forgiving and how maybe like naive or innocent the Chogs really are, like almost childlike in a sense. Mm. After like the Burton crashed and like it admitted um, all the poisons into the biosphere from the reactor, at the end of it, like uh, Hodges says, um, they want to help us. They don't know that they're going to die because of what we did. Me and my crew, there's about 20 of us. We're not going to let that happen. I don't know what we can do, but we're going to do something. We've got to do something. They didn't ask to be part of this. So it's like, even though, like, yeah, like their whole planet is actually dying, the Chogs, I mean, obviously they don't know, but they're very, they're just very warm, friendly, and yeah, you know, you've ruined the whole planet and they still want to help you. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. They're also kind of like an allegory for other kind of like war-torn refugees who really don't have any part in this war. They don't have any say in it, just they're living their lives, yet they're some of the greatest victims of this huge conflict. So it, it kind of mirrors our own life. No, you're absolutely right. They're just the innocent and they're getting uh, roped into something that they really have nothing to do with. Like it was the, it was the cell and the, the union that were fighting, uh, hmm. not the poor Chog people. Yeah. One thing I noticed, uh, at the page where we reveal Hodges, it looks very interesting the way that like, it's almost like a 1960s kind of style that it's drawn in. I find when they're looking at the screen. You can definitely see that there is age in the, 
Like, are, do you mean like the actual like the drawing of the character? Yeah, like, like it looks like there's like a different the shading in his face, like for the cheekbone and stuff. It's reminiscent of like 60s, 70s kind of comics. Okay, see, that's something I, I don't know too much about. But no, that is super cool. And like maybe it's just trying to show age between you know like the era of the Burton and the era of the Orville. Like a hundred years have passed. Mm. So I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Like it's 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 nice and uh, old fashioned. And you can see that the technology is kind of, uh, like, it seems more limited. Like, because on the Orville, we have these panels that come up that are almost like a holographic monitor screen. Yeah. Um, whereas this very much appears to just be like it's a, a traditional panel, yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah, either way, they there's some effect on to make it look older, which is, uh, you know, which fits because the Burton is at least 100 years old. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I did think that was a really interesting thing. And last week, now, we they went through the ruins, and I mentioned Admiral Thrawn, and how there's a storyline there where there's some war, a war-torn species or a planet that's a little screwed up because of war. And this is kind of similar to what happened here, where there was a war above, and then ship crashed down, and then their their biosphere is poisoned. So it is in that realm, and I kind of I really like that storytelling when you see the, hey, here's what's behind the curtain. Here's the third party that we never even think of in these conflicts, and it was very effective, and immediately I was even more engaged in the story. So that's good storytelling by David A. Goodman. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I just completely agree with that. Yeah, so after they figure out what happened, Ed and Gordon start wondering, like, well, the horrible is going to come down towards us, and that means that uh, they're going to follow our breadcrumbs, and that means they're going to run into the do the same thing we did. They're going to run into the transmitter, and then they're going to come towards us, and either we're going to fire on them, or they'll be able to take the hit, and then they'll just destroy everything around us. So they kill the Chogs and Ed and Gordon. So they're in uh, dire straits now and have to hurry to make this right. Hmm. I, I very much like it though when they get found out when they're in the reactor and um, the Chogs come. Um, <laughs> that's what I is like yeah, no one is allowed in the food place it's like thaws i can explain take them i like it because you think like this is happening in the night so <laughs> presumably the chogs like woke up realized that ed and gordon were no longer with them got like what looks to be like around 20 chogs awake to go <laughs> confront them like you know what i mean it's an angry chog mob and they're coming yeah, there. <laughs> yeah and like i wish there were like onesies or something or like house coats <laughs> but uh, no dire straits <laughs> there are there. and nightcaps and shit yeah i know chickens get up early i don't know if uh, you know the early chog catches the the <laughs> sneaky human but uh, no I, I liked it and my i like my it reminds me of like zelda you know in, in the ocarina of time when you have the sneaker on hyrule castle but behind the guards and then you get caught and they point at you yeah except they're more oh, violent than the actual true. castle guard i love that panel of thaws just whipping the rocket at oh it's such a good like dude honestly i might just uh like scan that and get it onto like my computer and use it as like a background for my phone or something it's just <laughs> like you can see the hate in in thaws eyes how dare you enter the food place like yeah i will like kill you with stones <laughs> yeah that's gotta be a meme or something like uh... <laughs> Oh, man, I, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, David Cabeza already knows of our love of the Chogs after just one debut issue. So he kind of knew already that we'd be uh, having a field day with this. And we are. We are. It's fantastic. Um, you know, later on, spoiler alert, the Chogs get resettled. And I would really love to see them in the series proper. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Maybe they could join the baseball team at the Union. They got, seems to have a pretty good arm on them with that frog. <laughs> yeah, right? I was actually thinking, okay, to go back to the panel of, of uh, Thaw's throwing the rock, if you were just put, like, Ash Ketchum's hat on and just Photoshop a Pokeball <laughs> over that stone, 
Dude, yeah, that could be a meme. Like, oh, when I heard about the the Dexit controversy for uh, for Pokemon, it's like, but when November seventeenth comes, oh man, that's happening. That's happening, folks. Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh that's beautiful. So yeah, thank you, David Cabeza and uh, David A. Goodman, and of course, I also want to thank Michael Atea. The uh, coloring has been fantastic. Uh, really good color work in this. Yeah, I can finally really appreciate all the color now because, uh, as some of you may know, like my my Kindle, it's, it's black and white. Um, so. So I'm I'm really having a good time with this one. That's this rough. Like shit. no other part. It's not like if they for like a writer's like, oh sorry, uh, to put it on Kindle, the words aren't gonna be there. Like his entire job <laughs> is kind of like, cut out of that. It's so been like turned to grayscale. It's like... Yeah, yeah. So that's not you know. But I really yeah. appreciate it. The color really makes the artwork pop. Yeah, the, like that blood gushing out of Ed's head. Like, whew. Like. I love how Ed just says like he's like he's like oh I'm trying to help oh and he's like oh please we can help ah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's a rough go, and uh, <laughs> I like to cut the space as well, where it's like, he would be blacked out, but also they're transitioning the space to show, like, the Orville out there. Yeah, no, it's actually beautiful, like, that three, like, extra long panels, and they all kind of make up one photo, or, like, I kind of picture, like, the Orville, like, rotating downwards or something, you're like, doo, doo, doo. Mm. but it's it's really nice, yeah, it's a good transition. You yeah, can see yeah. Dan is big, strange, cantaloupe-looking head. So the Orville runs across the buoy, the communications buoy, from the Burton themselves. And Kelly asks Isaac if he could interface with it. And then Alara is like, uh, why would you do that? Why would you, uh, you know, what do you hope to find? And she goes, I don't know, but it's what Ed would do. So again, we get more echoes, just like earlier, where uh, Gordon's like, why would you look at it? Why would you check there? It's like, what I would do. So like, you have these captains and Kelly's taken on the duty as basically a captain like she's commander but she's taking control of the ship many a time and you just yeah kind of she's think, like the would... acting captain for like a lot of it so yeah so it's like what would my previous great captain do and you know great it kind of shows that great leadership echoes throughout time and if you make the right decision people will look back on that especially if it's a uniquely heroic decision like hodges so great leadership is always remembered no absolutely that's that's an excellent thing to uh, to bring up there yeah, no, I agree. It's like, you can tell, uh, despite what's happened between Ed and Kelly, like, Kelly still has a tremendous amount of respect for Ed. She, I guess, in some ways, definitely still, like, looks up to him. Because, undoubtedly, Ed is a fantastic captain. Yeah, I'm always down for seeing more of uh, Ed uh, being a great leader, or anyone. Like, whenever we see Lara or Kelly step up to the plate, it's always nice. Even Gordon, when he tries to take a kick at the can there, it's it's interesting to see characters want to do more. Yeah, I guess it goes back to what Claire was saying a long time ago when they phased out money and now they kind of like work towards like being the best them they can be. Exactly. So Ed and Gordon wake up, tied together, surrounded by Chogs, as you do when you've been captured by Chogs. And (laughs) Ed tries to reason with them and he realizes after talking with Thaws, they realize that he must have got this information somewhere about uh, their history. And then he realizes there's an elder around and Thaws brings them to him. And then we get... Rop, the 107-year-old leader of the Chogs, or elder at least. <laughs> I just like it, uh, like just the like on the page before that when he's talking about, it, he's like, the food place is a ship or was that flies, and when it crashed, it leaked poison that killed life on your planet. <laughs> I just like Gordon when he's like, ah, I'm I'm not with him. Like we we barely know each other. Like, <laughs> we have the same uniforms and uh, <laughs> everything, but no. And so yeah, far, I... we've been real close. But right now, then we don't even we're not associated. Yeah. When I was reading this, it's just like I'm cool for having Gordon accompany everybody on missions, even if it's like you know Batman and he's looking for Robin. Just bring Gordon. Like it's always <laughs> great to have Gordon there. Yeah, no, Gordon is uh, he's a lot of things, but he is really funny. 
another way that they could have like gotten the chalks on their side, Gordon should have just like given them new music and shown them new songs. So just like do his uh, covers of Air Supply and stuff like that, and they can't really tie him up for that much longer. No, it's true. You know, we'd have a musical episode, and it would be the Chogs and Gordon. They'd be <laughs> yeah. singing, and everything would be wonderful. Just make a band, Gordon the Chogs. You know, Gord- Gordon the Chogs. I would, I would, I would buy an album or go see them live or whatever. I'd support it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I, I'd be there, but uh, buy some yeah. merch. <laughs> Gordon and the Chugs, that'd be a sick t-shirt Oh yeah, I, you know, get on it David No, I'm just kidding This is great, so eventually they do manage to talk to Rop And thanks to Rop, they actually do manage to get this this conflict uh, solved Where Rop says he's the only Chug that knows about humans Which is, you know, give he has the greatest understanding of the situation And he's the most likely to be reasoned with. But unfortunately, as they're trying to discuss this, you hear the hum of the cannon and it fires at the Orville, which is caught up to Ed and Gordon. So this really, you know, heightens matters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you see some panels on the Orville explode. (laughs) Obviously, Kelly's confused. This is like a barren wasteland. Like, why is there still active cannons? And she Um, tells Mortis to fire. Yeah. And then... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but they let them use their little magic box that they use to communicate, and they manage to tell them to stop. And you see, I go, wait, don't. And then she goes, Boris, and Boris goes, I did not shoot. <laughs> I did not fire. Yeah, like... I, I did not fire. <laughs> yeah, and that's so poor to see. And, like, it, it's really nice. We've got two issues left after this, and, I mean, if they're as good as this, then we've got an exceptional series. And uh, I'd love to see the, the crew get a, a lot more adventures. Uh, these have been great. I think this is an excellent means of the Orville universe expanding. Like, I really, really hope that there's going to be more than just like the four planned uh, comics. Yeah, because and this we... is some really good content, and it brings a lot of joy into my life. We get to talk about it with you guys. Hopefully, that brings a lot of joy into your lives. And we we get to see great Union officers that are almost as good as Yafid and Admiral Hodges. Like, you know. <laughs> that's great next week we do get to see more of engineering so we finally get more lamar and we get you off it uh, he's on the cover and i guess he hangs around engineering i think i guess he is kind of an engineer right yeah he is an engineer on the ship i want to get his own just uniform. too funny right and i don't yeah. know if he could like, like what would like, his uniform be like a like a penny like a, maybe like a penny <laughs> maybe like die under his neck like orange or something. yeah yeah like a nice like little uh it's a food coloring of food coloring yeah yeah so, no, I, I'm really liking this, and uh, we can't really even speculate on the next issue because it could really just be literally anything. We've only seen the cover. There might be a couple pages out there. Um, it could be the Krill, actually. as we, They could have a run-in with the Krill because I know the co- fourth cover is uh, yeah. a, with uh, one of the Krill generals on there. So I'm curious hmm. if it's going to have anything to do with this storyline because I know this is issue two of two. Yeah. So yeah. presumably, you know... We didn't really wrap up the ending, though, did we? We didn't really mention that quite yet. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, we did not. So things get resolved where they don't, the Orville doesn't fire. And then a couple days later, uh, we realize that uh, the captain of the Ulysses wants to be introduced to the Chogs, and they're going to try and do some kind of relief effort, which is really nice. And it's mentioned that their planet should be able to be terraformed within mm-hmm. uh, three years, which is massive. So they can actually grow stuff again and, and actually live on the planet. They don't even need to be really relocated just temporarily yeah it's quite brilliant because yeah they're going to relocate them for the time being they're going to terraform their planet and what's estimated to be under three years um this is just like a really awesome example of the union doing the right thing in the circumstance like this has been an issue that's laid dormant for a century 
after the fight, the calamity, or the war, whichever you want to refer to it as, the Chogs have been left on their planet, which is dying or very close to dead. They don't have any means of sustaining themselves naturally, and they're totally reliant on the actions of um, Ensign Hodges. So now, a hundred years later, you know, Ed and Gordon, they, they find a little buoy. Next thing you know, a problem that's been impacting this, this place for a hundred years is finally going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And the Chogs will get to see their planet and, in a way that they didn't get to see it before. Because, you know, aside from Rop, no one remembers the green planet. So No, exactly. And then they get to experience fantastic movie like Hanson's with their song do rop and so no, i'm just kidding i'm not <laughs> no it, it is it's nice that we get to see the union undo a mistake from the past it's nice to go back and do uh and fix a problem from the 2300s it's it's great and it's a great story like i i really enjoy this and i'm glad it's a part of the orville tapestry of lore it's it's fantastic and it's a fantastic start for two issues and if it gets better then i can only imagine what kind of book we're going to be looking at yeah, no, absolutely. In regards to the third issue and the fourth issue, we know it's going to be revolving around engineering. We know that Lamar is going to be a big part of it. We know that Yafet's probably going to be a pretty big character in it as well. Um, and we know that episode four, or issue four, rather, sorry, is going to have something to do with the trill. The krill, trill, yeah. The krill, sorry, not the trill. Hmm. Yeah, I would say the krill probably make an appearance in late yeah. issue three. I'm going to say there's a lot of, like, engineering overhauling going on, probably. Um, maybe some strange mysteries. Maybe they look at the communications beacon to make sure that it can't be sent out for false reasons or stuff like that. Or you can read its data easier and get a better look at what actually happened to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I say we're probably going to have a very, like, like in Star Trek, a lot of the time you'd get, like, you know, weird episodes where certain features on the ship weren't working properly, and it would, might be, like, an alien host or something. Mm. I feel like we might get something along those lines, or maybe, yeah, like, a clue to something that the Krill are up to, and then I guess 4 might be, like, some pretty cool stuff. It might be, like, very diplomatic. It might be, like, meeting with the Krill, or it could be, like, really intensive and action-based. You know, it'd be epic that I'm kind of calling for now. It'd be awesome if we see, uh, at the end, they do the little Krill thing, have a little running with the Krill, and then at the end of the issue, uh, you see Ed and Gordon or someone say, like, man, I'm glad that's over with, and then you see Lieutenant Tyler come in, and then you that's yeah. how they bring it. That would be awesome. That would be really good, yeah, to lay his entrance to the, to the Union. I'd like to see that very much as well. Yeah, man. So uh, you heard it here first, folks, uh, as soon as I can edit this. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. So look at us. We said we probably can't speculate. But on, uh, you know, well, we, we've put some little yeah, bits out there to, you know, get yeah. those ideas going. So yeah, great work to everyone involved. Uh, I, I love this and I hope for any, many more. Uh, ben, anything else? Uh, yeah, there is like one little panel, two panels actually, I wanted to talk about. It's like the very last two panels. After they discuss everything that's going to happen with the Ulysses and the Chogs and all that. So Ed goes, so, anything happened while I was away I need to know about? Kelly with like a glass in hand looking all nonchalant, just nothing that can't wait. Mm, talking about Cassius, of course. Exactly, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I like how it ended. I don't remember 100%, but I'm pretty sure Ed was introduced to Cassius in Season 2, right? So this entire run, she's not going to introduce him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'd say you're right. I, I, I would 
if I remember correctly, yeah, Ed finds out in episode two, maybe? Of season yeah, something two, like that. It's like really early season two. So yeah. she's probably not going to tell him. And could leave the things being awkward because if he doesn't know she's dating someone again, uh, who knows? All ton, a ton of hijinks can ensue. Just like, yeah, I think that pretty much brings us up to point with Cautious and Kelly to like where the television show picks up again. They might have like a date or something. There might be brief mention of them in the next two episodes. But I, I think that's pretty much like an ended story right there. Yeah, and you know the rumors go around. If you uh, you know we used to be married to the captain, but if you're just dating a teacher, eh, you know. <laughs> so I, I guess they're okay. They're okay. Uh, not just dating a teacher, obviously. Teachers do an important service to us all, but uh, you know, not as relevant as the captain of the uh, the ship. That's like yes. dating president or something. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It also showed, uh, you know, uh, Ed apologized to Kelly in that last page there. It felt like he was being a dick, and he kind of realized it as he was looking at how selfless Hodges was, and here he is being kind of snooty to his ex-wife. So it kind of puts things in perspective, like it's life and death for them. For us, I mean, we've got luxuries that many planets can't even fathom. So who am I to be treating people this way? Yeah, no, it's true. It was definitely an eye-opening experience for Ed. Maybe he feels he's been a bit immature about it all. Maybe he realizes that, you know, being a captain of a starship is a pretty big thing, and you shouldn't let personal feelings interfere with your relationship with your commanding officer. Exactly. So <laughs> if you guys like that, uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, at the Redenbacher. We have a YouTube channel. If you're watching us there, uh, feel free to subscribe and huck a like. It really helps us uh, get our videos out there. And just let us know your thoughts. We're always interested. And if you've got any questions, just email us at theredenbacher at gmail.com. It's not ad. It's just theredenbacher at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to uh, hear what you guys have to say. Absolutely. I'd be very interested in hearing any speculations that you guys have on uh, issue three or four. If you guys want to leave some comments, who knows? Exactly. So with that, from the Chili Willy Galaxy, for Ben Bolwell, this is Matt Murphy signing off. Mm-hmm.